Today is November 3rd, 2019. Welcome to Native Calgarian. Native Calgarian is being recorded on the lands of the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Blackfoot south of the imposed U.S.-Canadian border of the Blackfeet, north of the border of the Siksika Blood Bagani of the Confederacy. These lands are now Treaty 7, signed, in, signed September 22nd, 1877, with signatures, or signatures that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Stony Nakoda, which is now the Wesley, Chiniki, and Bearspaw Nations, or maybe it was then, I just don't know my history well enough. Either or, that's how they identify. Uh, the Sutina Sarsi Nation are the Dene, and I acknowledge all First Nation, Métis, Inuit status, and non-status across Turtle Island as the keepers of these lands, with the exception of, obviously, the uh, new immigrants and the um, first colonizers. They are not the keepers of these lands. They just have, you know, raped and pillaged the lands until now. Okay. I'm Mekochese Chase Tokom Aki, or Red Thunder Woman in Blackfoot. My spirit name is uh, given to me in ceremony, and my humblest apologies to the Blackfoot elders and language keepers as I try to learn proper pronunciation. I honor the Blackfoot, and every time I see a Blackfoot language keeper kind of say, say it again, and they go through it, they then they say it, and I think I said what they said. <laughs> it's actually kind of funny, but it's not. Neither are. My name's Michelle Robinson. I was born in Calgary as Michelle Elliott, a very English colonial name which has afforded me privilege in an English colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavey Dene or Satu Dene, but my Indian Act imposed status card by the Canadian government says Yellow Knives Dene. My father is so Canadian that I am a daughter of the Mayflower and a daughter of the American Revolution while having an Indian Act imposed status card. I acknowledged my Dene lineage and that I was born in Calgary, but my family is not part of the Treaty 7 signatories. My Dene lineage roots me in the land of the Hare people, also called the Great Bear Lake people in Treaty 11. I'm a native to Turtle Island, and my Dene nation is a visitor to this area of Klincho, Tinne, Indahe, in Satu Dene, meaning Many Horse Town. It's named after the Calgary Stampede. Why do I do a land acknowledgement is something I'm, I'm still shocked to have to explain to people. Um, we're on colonized land. It's really that simple. And I have a choice. I can just be drinking Timmy's and watching hockey games and acting like an idiot and being like, this is Calgary. Or I can be honest. I can say that this land was stolen. This is Blackfoot land. They shared it. They had made treaties with all sorts of indigenous folk. Then they all honored them. They had fights. They went to Wetaskiwin, settled them yearly, all of those things. But Canadians are so unaware of all of these things. And doing a land acknowledgement seems to be so painful for the average Canadian. Despite the fact we've offered, you know, videos, training seminars, everything. I, um, I don't know if I have much more patience for this anymore. I, um, you know, I've seen a friend of mine who I respect and love dearly get a pinch of tobacco for doing a land acknowledgement. And I, I'm just so tired of trying to explain why these are so important. You either get it or you don't. And if you don't get it, then you should be working towards getting it. I've done how many episodes now? You don't see it. You know, you, you haven't contacted me and said, hey, I listened to your podcast. Heard you do this land acknowledgement. I don't understand it. I will pay you to teach me. Because you don't see the importance of learning. You expect me to do it for free. Do it as like a trinket. Do it for, 
No respect at all, basically. And I see my friends doing it. It's not okay. You have to start seeing Indigenous knowledge as important. I've had to work really hard to get here to be able to say these words and honor the people's territory I was born on. I don't understand why this is so difficult for the average Canadian. That's why I had to have this podcast. Because it's exhausting trying to explain this over and over. But I do it because I know my ancestors made treaties. I know that they worked hard to live on their end of, the, of that bargain for years and years. Not just with Canadian government, but between different Indigenous nations. And I, I want to I be somebody that my ancestors are proud of. And I see that meme going around on Facebook and Twitter. Be that ancestor your, your family is proud of. And I have a lot to learn because of colonialism. And it was really um, fought. It, the colonizers fought hard for me not to know this information. For me to conveniently forget it and erase it. And that's why it's so important to me that I say it every single time. Because it, it's bigger than, it, it's decolonizing from Canada. It's acknowledging our lineage. It's acknowledging our role. My mother left her territory so that she could have a better life. And I honor her journey to do that, to come here. And I was born in probably the most privileged place on the planet as a result. And the fact is that she did survive, albeit with injuries that I cannot explain. And uh, I get to I get to honor people as a result. So you may not understand the importance of land acknowledgements, but for the Indigenous listening, they understand it. And I don't know if I articulated enough to explain why I do these land acknowledgements and why it is so important to me. And the idea that enough Canadians don't understand the importance of it bothers me. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous, but I share what I know as I walk down the red road. Any mistakes, misinterpretations will be on me. I encourage questions so that it can be cleared up as soon as possible. If you're Indigenous and and experiencing emotional distress after anything I talk about today, if you want to talk, call the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness helpline at 1-855-242-3310. It is toll-free, open 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. And for non-Indigenous, there are distress lines in your area. If you have any value at all to what I say on these podcasts, I would appreciate it if you could pledge and support at Patreon account. I want to say thank you to my previous donors for showing your support to our show. If you value listening and can afford to give, thank you. To those who cannot afford to give but listen in, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com where you can send in your comments or questions. We are also on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And I want to give a special sh- shout out to my super loyal supporters, Alexandria, Beatrice, Brian, Celine, Diana, Jocelyn, Judy, Kenna, Kimberly, Leah, Mar- uh, Marisa, Natalie, Nathan, Phyllis, Rebecca, and the Sprawl, Tiffany, Vanessa, and Veronica. I know some of you personally, and I know some of you are not the richest people on the planet. And I, so I I hope you know how much I appreciate it that much more. Um, 
I know that there were names on this list that have since been able to not be able to give anymore. And I just want you to know, I still honor that you did it all. I just find it so ironic that it's the people who can least afford it are the ones who donate. The ones who benefit um, the most don't even listen to the show, let alone <laughs> donate. So I want to start, uh, I, I read a post <laughs> I, on my... Uh, on my Facebook, on my Twitter, I block generously and liberally. So I don't want to read people's stupid opinions. And as a result, of course, I'm sure some of those people may have uh, become a little more woke in their life. Maybe not. I don't know. Either or. Um, somebody took a screenshot out of a Facebook group called What's Happening in Lloyd Minster? All lowercase. And they, Joey Smith with conservative profile pic says, my dad and my gramps fed me nothing but lies about Aboriginal people in the awesome place we call Canada. They said that we white people work hard so that we can give, so they can live on the reserves in free housing and drink all day and have to, and have it paid by welfare and our hard earned taxes. I graduate high school and leave my home for the first time and start learning actual facts about them, like actual things I can Google at hand. Anyways, I move here to Lloyd Minster and start working with Aboriginals. I was also told that they are lazy and can't work hard. Also lies. They work as hard as any of us in town. This nation. Fucking stop treating them. Um, fucking stop treating them the way we do out here. Hmm. Stop treating them the way we do out here. There we go. Oh, another lie my gramps and dad said is that they don't pay much taxes. Also a lie. They get taxed as much as we do. For eight years I've worked with these men. When we're out having a beer in town, you should see how they get treated in a restaurant, bar, motel, or any other establishment or business in this town. It's fucking appalling. This is all spelt wrong with really bad grammar and really bad punctu punctuation and um, spelling mistakes, uh, spaces between the periods I don't understand um anyway but it it's the point right we're so proud to continue feeding our own children lies about them should we stop will this post be removed certainly because we don't need actual truth to be shared in this town so Joey Smith posted that at what's happening in Lloyd Minster and I wanted to read it because um uh well one I can't find it and it's probably because I either blocked this guy because he's conservative or he said something stupid a long time ago. He still obviously thinks um, that we're Aboriginal people and it's still an us and them mentality. But I think there's a way bigger point here, obviously, and I don't want that mist uh, in the trees here through the forest. And that's, you know, how come Joey Smith, some conservative redneck dude who's been taught lies for generations, can figure this out and the average Canadian can't? He even says, Google at hand. How many times on this podcast have I said, we have free podcasts, we have free Google, um, eighth fire. We have reports, commissions that are free out there that we have given. And yet people still are like, geez, I wonder what the solutions are. Um, I also, you know, got really hurt and offended earlier this week because, you know, I have a lot of stuff going on. Um, I owe a ton of money to Alberta liberals if I don't um, 
get this all figured out and squared away. And uh, these are the types of emails I get from people who like literally like ran against me or, or whichever. And like this person is an executive director of one of the local nonprofits that service, um, you know, people of poverty. Michelle, how are you? I hope you're well. Uh, may we have a chat soon if you're not swamped these days? Notice the assumption. Um, I would like to talk through our work at Enter Nonprofit here with you to better understand where we should go from here. We serve and see numerous people who identify as Indigenous every day. They are struggling, and honestly, we are not sure what to do to help. I'm sorry to lean on you for this advice and thinking. I realize so many people ask you these questions all the time. If there is someone else you'd like me to reach out to, I'm happy to do so. Hi to all, chat soon. And, uh, you know, first of all, the assumption, well, I must have time. Obviously, I, I have a ton of time for all the nonprofits to get free labor all the time. And I, I wanted to read that to you because <clears throat> it prompted me to post on uh, Native Calgarian and, and share my friend uh, who, who posted this. Uh, this person is, this is a public post. This is out there. I asked permission to share this. And uh, so Sable Sweetgrass said, you know, these past few years, I keep getting asked to be a speaker or to have coffee and talk about my life experiences as a transgender Blackfoot Indigenous woman to help people understand or to help make changes in their profession or workplace. A medical school event even recently put me in a room with a bunch of second year medical students to teach them. And I was told I would be paid well. What I got was a $30 gift certificate to teach medical students. Today, I got yet another email asking if we can have coffee with paramedics to help them understand um, how to better serve Indigenous transgender people. I'm supposed to do that over a couple of cups of coffee. No more. Not unless I'm being paid a substantial fee from now on. It starts at $5,000 just to have a talk or to speak. I am a single parent with a full-time job and I barely have enough time for my own life. I appreciate that people are willing to listen and learn, and I really do want to help bring more awareness and understanding for the Indigenous and transgender community, but if you want to learn from me, you're going to have to pay. My time and lived experience is very precious to me. If you can't afford my fee, by all means, find someone else to exploit or take advantage of. And for full disclosure, I'm that person, and um, because I'm not a single parent. And I don't have a full-time job. But it's interesting, even though I'm not those things, the assumption is I'm still exploitable. So I shared that post and I said, I know folks don't listen to my podcast or attend my book club, but send me emails and messages like this. Many times I have been not gifted anything, tobacco, sage, cedar, or sweetgrass. My life has changed so much that I don't even reply anymore to this. Show up to my book club, listen to my podcast. You won't vote for my knowledge either. It took me running twice to understand how little Indigenous knowledge is wanted. Yeah, and I posted that. It's not been shared at all. Um, it's interesting because I, I think that what I have to say is important, but it's not. It, people don't share it. They, don't, they don't, just don't see the value in it. And, uh, and that's what's more, more infuriating, is that people, they just... 
expect all of this information for free. And it's out there. My, my own, this own email that was sent to me, they acknowledge I've said this somewhere at some time. In, in this case, I said it on our own campaign, but that stuff's not listened to. People with like masters in poverty do not understand the Indian Act imposes systemic poverty. How is that? How is it you can go to Canada, spend $40,000 on an education and not be taught that? And then you have the audacity to be the person in charge to take care and service Indigenous people. And then on top of that, I was just looking at a post and, uh, you know, not one Indigenous person from Calgary is being sent to some homeless conference, but all the white people are. How interesting. So it's all about checkboxes, people, and Indigenous preferably are not on that checkbox. So it's, it, that really bothers me. And I talk about it here because I need to talk about it. I don't have a place to talk about it. You know, you can go to a counselor, but they have a system and a process. And it, life doesn't work that way always. It doesn't work for everybody. And it doesn't work for the constant microaggressions and racism that's thrown at us every single day. Uh, just to take it a little more out of context, and when I was stalking that, what's happening in Lloydminster, um, I read this and I wanted to share it with folks. Now, I don't think I ever posted here before, but um, I was with my family trick-or-treating on uh, 23rd and 53rd Avenue in Lloydminster. My sister-in-law and her boyfriend were are both part of the B. Fisher, and they went up to this house with a bunch of our nieces and nephews. The homeowner was very rude and ref refused to give my sister-in-law's boyfriend candy because of his age. He was very upset and hurt and didn't want to finish the night. He kept saying to us, I never even did anything to her. I, of course, thinking the lady never picked up on the fact that he has a disability, thought I would go back and point it out, but completely fell on rude and ignorant ears. Way to ruin a person's night that was looking forward to it for weeks. We kept reassuring him he did nothing wrong. He ended up not finishing the night and went home upset. So I shared it and I said, I know I annoy able-bodied folks because of the, with those previous messages on uh, disability, but they're not getting through and shit like this is still happening. And, and it's true. I don't understand why it is people are so mean about all of this stuff, man. I don't care if a kid's like 22. I don't care if they don't have a costume. Like, at what point in time are people going to be like, you know, there's a reason why a 20-year-old kid with no costume is in front of me asking for candy. Like, what is wrong with you people? Seriously, what is wrong? Like, where did you, like, how did you get up upbringing in this world to be so cruel and heartless? You know, the irony is I was born and raised here and I know people think they're Christian. They think they're good people. <laughs> or they have some other dogmatic religion under their belt that they believe that they are good people that have been taught great lessons, whether through Buddhism or whatever other dogma. For real people, compassion and empathy, that's like, there's no religion to that. I don't understand why we had to ruin some kid's life over this. Now, I bloody well hope I've been bringing it up in the podcast, but maybe I haven't. But I've been sharing it a lot on um, Native Calgarian and in my Twitter. And it, it's about this uh, black Edmonton mother who was banned from her son's uh, Catholic school. So what, what happened? I know all of the white people are like, what is she talking about? What the hell did she do? Because that's how we do everything here in Alberta. 
we blame the victims. So all you victim blamers, listen up. This is what happened. This little boy went to school with a do-rag and he was told he had to take it off and that uh, he's associated with a gang. He's black. Uh Uh-huh. So his mom found out and went to the school, made an appointment, made an appointment to talk to the principal about this. And um, smartly, she recorded the conversation. And that when she stood up for her child and talked about uh, discrimination and racism, they pressed some red button and the police were called and they escorted her off the premise. And the Catholic school has put out a statement saying that they were in fear of this woman. Smartly, she took her recording to the media. The media listened to it and very clearly this woman was not rude, antagonizing, mean, threatening in any way, shape or form. And uh, so she's banned from the school grounds for a year, so she can't drop her kid off. So obviously she had to transfer schools, which she did. And she wants an apology, but instead of giving an apology, they're giving weird ultimatums like, well, you can come to a meeting, but we're going to have legal representation or these people here and you're not allowed to bring anyone from the community and so on and so forth. And then issue ridiculous statements like, oh, well, she's not cooperating. So thank God. Um, I met Selena at a liberal convention. She's an amazing woman. Uh, I'm sure you know of her if you're following politics at all. But there was a black woman who was actually um, elected in Ontario. Her name is Selena. And a lot of conservatives out here sure like the fact that her and Trudeau didn't get along all the time because they have liked to show that and say this is why Trudeau is a hypocrite blah 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 I hate Trudeau whatever so anyway she decided not to rerun um you know like all of us who have any type of non-white complexion we experience racial battle fatigue and I don't There might be a million more reasons why she decided not to run, and I'm not at liberty to discuss it because it's not my damn business. But she decided not to rerun. And in my opinion, she's one of the most powerful people on Twitter and Facebook because her opinion matters to me. She finally heard about this this family struggling. I've been sharing the, you know, protests and such that they are having, and she said, they are going to label you an angry black woman no matter what. Protect your son anyway. When you protect him, you protect us all. Take this to the top courts. We stand with you. Get angry. Mad black woman. Call us crazy. I see you. Alberta Ed. Edmonton Catholic Schools. And she shared the news about the Edmonton mother being banned from the school. So I'm happy. I mean, I can see it's reaching a few people. A lot of people are liking it. And a few people are even sharing it. That's good. But it's interesting how when I talk about Native issues, they don't get shared. But as soon as they're Black issues, they do get shared. How weird is that? Hmm. And I'm not, like, we're both oppressed as far as I'm concerned. I just find it really interesting how some people see the importance of that oppression in some cases and not all cases. Like, it's either one or the other. Like, you either see it or you don't. And it's interesting if when even people who see Black bias can't see the Indigenous bias. But that's prevalent all across Canada. So another thing that's been in the, the media um, a lot that is just shocking to me is getting so much traction is 
Alberta getting their panties in a bunch and saying, screw you, Canada, we're going to exit Canada. We're going to have these little hashtags called Brexit or Alberta exit. And because we're not original and smart enough to have our own hashtag that's actually Alberta, you know, made. Um, in my opinion, obviously, it's so painfully obvious. It's the same people who, you know, fund all of these uh, Brexits and all of the other um, ridiculous movements to wreck our world. And uh, funny enough, it all has roots in Russia, but funny how nobody can find that. So Indigenous people, I know not all of you are retweeting me, but other Indigenous people, at least, are getting retweets trying to say, hey, check it out. This is uh, actually really good for Indigenous people because then that means our lands will come back to us. And uh, I, the non-natives don't get it. They don't understand. They have no rights and jurisdiction to this land. They literally benefit from being part of Canada with the previous treaties that were already set up under British law. But I know you don't go to my book club. I know you don't go to, you don't listen to my podcast, so you don't understand if you were to read the you know, World Commission on Aboriginal People and the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, the 94 Calls to Action, we talk about, you know, the doctrine of discovery and the, you know, rights and, and freedoms of, of folks that are completely lost over this stupid doctrine and the need to acknowledge that publicly. And here's the catch, you guys, because I've seen so many people put time and energy and effort towards this Brexit or exit whatever, Alberta exit bullshit. Like, this is the proof I need to show you. You all are not serious about reconciliation. The time and effort it takes you to put into this, separate from Canada, like, that time and effort put into reconciliation would fix all of our problems here. Like, I'm not even joking. If you took the time to read any type of international law, um, and actually uh, the Alberta... uh, or the University of Calgary put out this, from the Faculty of Law, put out, you know, the, the rights of Indigenous people and this, you know, Alberta exit Western alienation conversation. Even their own white people under their own laws acknowledge this. So it's insane to me that so many folks still don't understand this. If that redneck uh, guy in Lloyd Minster could make that post, can't even spell right, can't even use proper pronunciation, um, can't use punctuation, commas, periods properly. What the hell, man? Especially a lot of you who are so-called educated. And especially those of you who claim to care in like these nonprofits that service, you know, poverty and homeless and such. I know the time and effort that you're putting into other things should be better served this way. But anyway, um, lots of information about the rights of Indigenous people with this uh, Brexit stuff. Um it's really sad to me that a lot of folks don't see that. Uh, we have this year, week alone, we've had so much conversation about the damage being done by Jason Kenney's budget release. And the irony being a lot of the things in his budget are actually exactly what Rachel Notley campaigned on and was doing. And yet now there's going to be a greater deficit and a greater debt solely based off of Kenney's way of approaching it. We actually were better in the long term, a long term under Rachel Notley and Joe Cece's financial plan than we were under Jason Kenney. And now we've had Ancana decide that they're moving to 
the states to Texas specifically. And we've had layoffs at Husky and we've had layoffs in other sectors. Uh, the tech tax that was taken away is um, going to be hurting lots of new jobs in tech that are needed. Like this is the irony that drives me insane about people voting conservative. Those tech jobs are not just needed so that you and I can play video games and have stupid mindless fun, but they're also there for the industries that they serve. So the very industries that you want to protect, you are literally hurting by not allowing there to be more tech diversification. And then by not diversifying our economy, of course, you're hurting our province overall anyway. And it is shocking to me, like I'm not even allowed to post under Jason Kenney's Facebook or Twitter. And, um, you know, so I, I've just blocked all the conservatives because they don't get to benefit from my words because I know some of them stalk it and then try to use their own conversations. So anyway, one of the movements, uh, so today's Sunday, the November 3rd, tomorrow is the 4th and tomorrow they're supposed to release a new strategy for pro fossil fuel indigenous people. And they're going to even nail, uh, trademark it indigenous strong. And which I find hysterically funny because, you know, Indigenous have always had their pride. And lots of people ask me my opinion of this. And I know I've said it repeatedly in the many episodes we've done, but I'll repeat it again just in case this is the one and only podcast you'll ever listen to. The Indian Act imposes poverty on Indigenous people. We have zero rights that Canadians get. When we exert any type of rights that we have, we are always met at the end of a rifle from the Canadian military or the Canadian um, Royal Mounted Police. That, that's our options. So not only do we get violence, colonial violence, we actually don't benefit from anything that happens. Of course, there's been a few chief and council that are like, hey, you know, if we agree to some of this, then we get some royalties. So, of course, you're going to have lots of Indigenous that have adapted and said, yeah, in Alberta, on our lands, you can exploit our lands. It's not that they really want that exploitation. It's that they have no choice. They're in poverty and they're not going to get any other choices, either that or colonial violence. That's it. Those are your choices. <clears throat> There's no like real negotiation and settlement when it comes to exploitation of Indigenous land. Never has been, never will be unless we like rise up and there are days I think, you know, maybe that's what we should be encouraging all indigenous to do is just buy a rifle each, buy everything you need for that, go to the range, start practicing because if Alberta were to separate, which they won't cause they're all a bunch of cowards anyway, but if they were, then we take back our land. It's that simple. And we have every right to do it. Every right. UN actually protects us. These morons who are actually talking about separation, not only do they not know the law, but even international law would protect us. They actually are too stupid to know the, the actual rules around this. And that even if they were to separate, they still have to negotiate with every single province around us. So they don't even know what they're doing. They, they have no concept. They're so privileged and babied. They have no idea what they're talking about at all. And because of that, they're even more angry. They just want all their way all the time because exploiting the land hasn't been enough. Getting rich off of the land hasn't been enough. 
um, taking people's culture hasn't been enough. Anyway, um, another thing I've always talked about is the United Nations Declaration of Rights of Indigenous People. It doesn't just help us here in Canada. It helps the Brazilian, the Amazon uh, people. It helps them in Brazil. It helps the Palestinians in the Middle East. It helps all of the native people to the land. And I don't know why this is such a difficult concept for people to understand. Jason Kenney has no business here in Alberta, let alone in Canada, because he's so proud of his British background. I don't know why he's here. Anyway, I wanted to give a quick shout out to uh, Amazon land defender killed by illegal uh, loggers. His name is uh, Paulo, and he was attacked and shot in the head this Friday on a reservation. And he's been one of the guardians of the forest, a group that was formed to combat uh, logging in the area. And, you know, I'll just read some more of this BBC um, article. Nonprofit group Survival International, which advocates for isolated communities, said at least three guardians have been previously killed, along with many of their relatives. In September, an official who had worked to protect Indigenous people was murdered in the city of Tabatega. Brazil's populist president, Jaro Bolsonaro, has drawn intense domestic and international criticism for failing to protect the Guardian territory in the eastern Amazon region. He has often stated support for farmers and loggers working in the area while criticized environmental campaigners and slashing the budget of Brazil's environmental agency. Let me read that to you again. He has often stated support for farmers and loggers in the area while criticizing environmental campaigners and slashing the budget of environmental agencies. Let me just replace Brazil and this man with Kenny and Alberta. Let me say it again. He has often stated support for farmers and, and loggers working in the area while criticizing environmental campaigners and slashing the budget of, and instead of saying Brazil, let's say Alberta is environmental agency. Do you not see how colonialism globally is hurting indigenous people? And I know people want to not acknowledge the genocide here in Alberta, but it's everywhere, everywhere against indigenous people. So tired of trying to explain this to people. And you know, like we have these progressive groups but they're all non-Indigenous, and nobody ever acknowledges Indigenous um, rights to any of this. But I do want to give a shout out to uh, Vote for Progressive Alberta for sharing a Globe and Mail article on uh, Alberta setting a $30 per ton carbon tax on large industrial emitters, aligning the province with federal law. This is literally the crux of everything he campaigned against Notley on. And yet he did it. He did exactly what Notley did. And you all were so dumb and fucking voted for this. Like, I will never understand. You would... And, and there was actually a tweet that I had shared. Um, it, was a, it was a photo of a tweet that I shared on my Facebook even. And it talked about that. It talked about how Albertans would rather see and would rather die under a dumb male conservative politician than flourish under a smart, intelligent woman. And it's 100% true. And of course, that's why I, t- it's uh, November 3rd. So it's the start of Domestic Awareness Month. And I know a lot of you are like, what's the correlation? 
the correlation is is that you're so misogynist you hate women so much that you are willing to allow some moron from Ontario take over our province replicate every smart policy of Rachel Notley she was born and raised here her her dad was one of the most respected politicians that died in I think I want, I want to say a plane crash you know I will never understand why all of these Easterners come here move here and then actually marginalize the voices that are here constantly. That's why I share every so often, like I'm not a big person on yoga, yoga because I think it's cultural appropriation, but there are a lot of indigenous people who obviously utilize those techniques to help heal. And Red Girl Rising shared on the 30th some really great um, points. They're like, exhale ancestral teachings or in, inhale ancestral teachings, exhale colonial bullshit. Yep, that's how it feels. Inhale bravery, exhale systems of oppression. Inhale divine feminine uh, energy, exhale heterosexual uh, patriarchal bullshit. Inhale inclusivity, exhale systemic discrimination. Inhale love. Exhale, institutional indigenous genocide. Inhale, matriarchal teachings. Exhale, misogyny. And it, it, I love those types of posts because they just help deal with the like insanity of reading some of these folks who are so... You know, you, there's so many ironies to this. I can't even possibly explain. If you at all look at our history it was world war one that really united country to be canada a lot of our veterans died indigenous veterans died for this country and you you absolutely like diminish their their sacrifice by wanting to exit from canada even me as a treaty indian i have an obligation to those lives lost i have an obligation to the treaties that were signed in good faith even though I know they've been broken repeatedly by awful white men, I still try. I still give a free podcast. I still give a free book club because I know I'm trying. In the limited resources I have, I'm still trying. And yet there's no expectation on the other side to try. There's no expectations to work together. Trudeau and Notley literally have been helping Alberta. Um, I shared a really good article that talked about the amount of subsidy, subsidies that were given to the fossil fuel industry. And yet it, that is always ignored because it benefits not just, you know, um, ah, it benefits everybody, but people don't want to acknowledge these things. I don't know how to put more emphasis on these things. Uh, anyway, I wanted to give a shout out. Um, there were some Calgary advocates here and uh, they worked really hard to do a candlelight vigil last night at city hall um you know to from the Sikh council of alberta or the Sikh council of alberta and uh, the punjabi association in alberta i had a friend who um he ran he's a Sikh man and he ran for the ndp and he invited me to do the land acknowledgement and i actually wanted to but i forgot and whatever it's one of those things I, I don't feel bad because while well, I've showed up to the Sikh community's um, protests and, and, you know, 
I feel that if I were to represent them, I would be fair and honest about acknowledging their oppression. The truth is, you know, we, we need to have a lot more bridge building. So I don't actually feel that bad because I at least acknowledge their oppression and try to um, work towards that with the eye care task force. Um, but I'm not seeing that going the other way a lot. I hope one day I'm wrong. Um, one of those things that are super powerful that I don't even know if the organizers understand the power of when we do it. Um, anyone in indigenous country knows the strength and, and the prayer that comes with singing the strong woman song. And I was taught that not just through here locally, but when I was, um, understanding the gravity of being given the rights of song and learning it. And I went, went down to the downtown east side in Vancouver and I learned the teachings behind the strong woman song. And I knew I had the rights to sing it. And I, I sing that song. I know it's a powerful, powerful song. There's some, there's a power to it. I don't understand. All I can do is honor it, respect it, lay tobacco, smudge. And when I sing that song, I think of Joey English. I think of Colton Crowshoe. I think of so many women here. Janelle Squirrel, um, Jackie Crazy Bull. So many Indigenous folks here in Calgary that have been killed locally. Um, our history here with Calgary police is not great. And I, I, you know, always try to brag and say that we have one of the more progressive police forces, which while that is true, that's <laughs> the, the bar is so low. Anyway, um, they, they invited me to come out. I, I'm a part of the indigenous, um, justice committee. They invited me to come out for the second time. So the class of 225 and now the class of 226, both have had, uh, the strong woman song sung while lighting a smudge. And when I pray and when I sing that song, you know, who I'm thinking about are the very indigenous uh, people that have been murdered by the Calgary Police Service. And I know a lot of people don't see it that way, but I do. And I probably always will. Um, and unfortunately, the reason why is because those names never end. You know, I think of Don Echo Baptiste that was killed and you know, these, these names mean not just a lot to me, but it means a lot to the families here that were shot and killed. Like we have a long history as like 1998, we have Connie Jacobs and Ty Jacobs that were killed by the RCMP. Um, yeah, I, the, that set off the Sutina policing. You know, the, there's a reason why we have the things we have in place. And I just don't feel like people understand the gravity of what happens to like, you know, Robin Fiddler, who was murdered, uh, Tyla Chippaway. Um, and I want to think about, you know, Trishina Simon. Um, there's so many names that I could read that I, it breaks my heart. I think of Brittany Bearspaw's family out on uh, the Stony Reserve and what happened to her and how they feel. I, my heart breaks thinking about all of the people 
here that have been strongly affected by the way the justice committees treat our people. So when I sing that song and we light that smudge, they may not know it, but I'm trying to remind them that they have a responsibility. And my hope always is when I pray to my ancestors that my ancestors are talking to their ancestors about the gravity of the work that they're doing. And, uh, and it's been hard because like one member of the hate crimes unit actually was just recently charged. He was, he was retired. They put him in retirement and then they charged him with uh, assault against a homeless person. They haven't said indigenous homeless person, but I'm sure that will come out. And, um, anyway, it's an honor to sing that song and it's not an honor because, you know, the Calgary's police service let me it's an honor because that song comes from a deep deep pain from this area of genocide from the amount of indigenous women that have had their lives cut short over colonial violence and when i sing that song it's an honor to honor their memories and know the real history between our people and police to sing that song at their graduation there's depth to that that I can't even put into words that I'm grateful that my ancestors can. I wish I had the English capacity to say the gravity of acknowledging the amount of Indigenous death at colonial violence. And while these folks are becoming new recruits and are proud of their accomplishment of becoming a police officer, I'm honoring our people and knowing that these are new people that have a choice to make. My hope is my ancestors and their ancestors are talking to each other so that they quit with this, so that they become so-called woke a little more. Because we, we can't do this anymore. We can't have, you know, people with masters in poverty and, you know, executive directors of, of organizations that know that the Indigenous issue isn't being properly served. We need change and I, of course, ran both federally or uh, ran provincially and municipally in order to try to create that at a local level, but was never given that opportunity. Um, and at the very least, maybe could kick down a door so that there's a new generation of group behind me that want to continue running through that door. That's my hope. Um, that's me trying to find my voice anyway. I uh, joke with my husband about the next generation. It was that when I was in grade seven, how dumb I was and how I, <laughs> I thought I was smart and I was smart according to my grades. But, you know, like these new kids, they're um, this new, new generation. They're organizing climate change strikes every Friday. But this one story that I shared that made me laugh so hard that I, I seen a, a few people liked enough to share anyway was this one uh, that came out of um, megaphoneupworthy.com. And it was seven uh, seventh graders who made tampon cookies for their principal because he refused to put tampons in the bathrooms. And I took a quote and said, my, seven, my friend's seventh grader goes to a, a school where the kids organize for free tampons in the bathroom. The male principal said no because they would abuse the privilege and i put perhaps they should return all their tampons to the uh, uh, principal 
when they're done with them to show they're not abusing the privilege. And I thought that was so funny that these kids were so smart to put this together. And that's what gives me hope. That's why I have this podcast. That's why I have that book club. My daughter and the next generations are coming up in this world. And they inspire me not just to speak up and use my privilege when I need to, but to step the fuck aside because they need that space now. And I'm really honored to do that. And I, I wish more Canadians understood the gravity of what I'm talking about. But in the meantime, I will say Indigenous have been talking about our issues, sharing our traumas and reports, commissions and public hearings, just so it can be regularly disregarded. I'm just saying my podcast and a lot of my book club. No more. Honor our words. Honor the treaties. Listen to politicians in their policies and platforms. And I know people who voted conservative here in Alberta, both provincially and federally, are not listening because they would be hearing what I'm saying in my podcast. Anyway, these politicians don't recognize marginalized in their budget with gender equity plus budgets, which Kenny cut, by the way. Uh, if they are cutting violence prevention programs and services, if they're cutting Indigenous education, cutting health choices, uterus health choices, cutting, um, you know, or oppressing the gay-straight alliances, know that your vote to those parties are directly impacting marginalized people negatively. So all of y'all those who have voted conservative, you're hurting people, in, like in, not just Indigenous people, uh, Janice Irwin, one of the, the only lesbian that's elected right now that's out. She said uh, she has this really great picture with somebody who is disabled and their sign says, you know, when you cut ish, you kill people. So this is bigger than just indigenous. This is about all folks who are marginalized. Anyone who's under ish, I don't know how anybody sleeps at night knowing that that's okay. I have no respect for that. Um, Demand they implement the Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to actions. The recommendations of the Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples. It's only over 20 years old, people. The multiple reports from child welfare reform, violence prevention, and now the 231 calls to justice on the National Inquiry for the MMIWG2. Okay, just going to point this out. Serenity's Law. I know a lot of y'all conservatives are like, no you didn't there were tons of recommendations that were not implemented in that bill you're not getting it and that's why if you are an actual conservative trying to listen to find some crap i'm saying i'm telling you you still dumb messed up with the serenity's law denying these reports is a form of abuse called gaslighting or people are experiencing extreme racism in the educational and health institutions and i talked about the black child who was <laughs> targeted by Edmonton Catholic. Uh, multiple reports that say the same thing. I know it happens here in Calgary in the Calgary Catholic schools too. Demand change from election platforms and politicians. And y'all didn't. So even those who are listening, what the hell, man? If they do not understand colonialism, racism, privilege, and sexism, they literally have zero business running. This should be understood by all parties, local politicians, community organizations, um, nonprofits, sports, etc. Really great article I said out loud in episode 62 is Truth Before Truth How Non Indigenous Canadians Become Allies. And if you Google it, you would find it. Violence is my everyday reality. 
Every Indigenous generation has faced it. That's why I started this podcast, to speak freely without interruption, without tone policing, without leadership shaming, without gaslighting questions, as many people just don't want to hear Indigenous opinions, but sure want to tell us theirs. Usually by people who know nothing about Indigenous, know nothing about colonialism, know nothing about the constant surveillance of Indigenous people, our protests, our vigils, and our rights. Just typical microaggressions. You know, there are people who are dealing with internalized racism. Those who are gatekeepers. Those who survive off the status quo. People who are so in their trauma. They stop people from doing the good work and depleting personal resources. Internal and external racism is an everyday reality for Indigenous people. My hope is that one day my family will be proud of me in the future trying to discuss what's happening today. As always, I encourage people to put forward cultural safety action so that you can create a safer place for all marginalized people, whether they be people of color, Indigenous, those with disabilities, um, LGBTQ2+, etc., um, Islamophobia, all of those things. I've listed this out so many times in my podcast. Internalized racism or lateral violence is another form of violence Indigenous and marginalized people folk face. And you getting in the middle of that's not helping us. Um, it's an experience of structural racism imposed on these lands, like the Indian Act, Indian Residential School, now Alberta, or this uh, new Indigenous Strong, all the other land-clearing policies. That's what creates all of this. And the Conservatives are incredibly proud to be doing that, to dividing the Indigenous people over this. So if you witness instances of racism, anti-Black, anti-Muslim, anti-trans, anti-Indigenous, anti um folks with disabilities any form of oppressive international interpersonal violence and harassment do something there's so many resources out there on how to keep yourself safe without calling the police silence is dangerous if you're experiencing emotional distress and want to talk call the first nation and inuit hope for wellness helpline at 1-855-242-3310 it is toll-free and open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Thank you to my ancestors, my granny and mom of what strength looks like through your example, my aunties, my uncles. I want to say thank you to my dad for teaching me to be strong and blunt, my stepmom for showing me what a proud culture is through her Austrian roots, and stepping, me, stepping up to teach me to be a proud Calgarian. It is through her I am a second-generation proud Calgarian. Thank you to my husband for producing and editing this show. On top of being my husband, my childhood friend, father to our child, and support down the journey of the Red Road, he has witnessed decades of racism and sexism. And to our child, who are blessed to learn from every day, I'm honored you chose us. You give me daily accountability to be a better and stronger person. My patron account is Native Calgarian. I want to say thank you to Alexandria Beatrice, uh, Beatrice, sorry, Beatrice, Brian, Celine, Diana, Jocelyn, Judy, Kenna, Kimberly, Leah, uh, Marisa, Natalie, Nathan, Phyllis, Rebecca, The Sprawl, Tiffany, Vanessa, Veronica. Thank you all for your continued support. If you did one donation or many and you had to quit for financial reasons, please know I appreciate your support. If you value listening and afford to give, thank you. But for those who cannot afford to give... But listen in, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com where you can send in your comments or questions. 
We're also on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And I just want to say you can also share those posts. You can share um, my podcast with other folks. There are a lot of folks that actually don't know how to do podcasting. Listen to them. Um, teach them because I know I've had to do that repeatedly. Um, I also want to just say, you know, a huge thank you to all those folks who send me private messages, but don't give me permission to, um, air them. You know, I just want you to know, I appreciate all of the, the notes. So with that, I want to give some side eye to those Calgary rabbits and you're lucky I'm not your dish. And my beautiful cousin would say, or you would be in my dish. Thank you for listening, everybody.